Good morning, church, and happy Pentecost. Bow with me to pray. Father God, we are so grateful to have a place and a time we could gather to experience your power, Lord, and to praise you and to remember the hope that we have for you every day. God, we praise your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and was raised up by you on the third day so that we could live a life full of joy everlasting. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the book of Joel, the Old Testament prophet, that is where we will start out with today. Joel chapter 1. It's near the end of the Old Testament. I want to start at chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the book of Joel. The Lord gave this message to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land. In all your history, has anything happened like this before? Tell your children about it in the years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. And then, if we had time, I would read the rest. But it talks about all the things that are happening. It says, first the cutting locusts come. And then the swarming locusts. And after them, the hopping locusts. And and still after that, the stripping locusts come. Now these locusts that it is talking about here in the book of Joel are not the locusts that we hear every end of the summer in the trees singing, ear, ear, ear. Not those little bugs that are camouflaged in color. These locusts are uh, more like our grasshoppers. They're coming in, in hordes, in uh, mass millions of them, and they are stripping all of the crops away that the folks are living on, these locusts. They have come and all the crops they have eaten. All the food is destroyed. The ground is stripped bare and it is shriveled. All the fruits are gone, withered, dried up. At this time that Joel is talking about The people who he is speaking to, their joy has dried up with the crops. Now can we relate to these people? Maybe recently, can we relate? I mean, here recently, first first there was COVID. And that was followed by uh, compromised laws and and values and, and morals and compromised borders and genders and well basically everything has been compromised in the past few years it would seem and then there was riots next inflation and gas prices that drain our bank accounts lives destroyed by mass shootings supply chain shortages threatening to leave mothers with no way to feed their babies and a worldwide famine on the horizon. Here's the way it's recorded in Joel, verse 16 
and 17. Our food disappears before our very eyes. No joyful celebrations are held in the house of our God. The seeds die in the parched ground and the green crops fail. The barns stand empty and the granaries are abandoned. These issues are troubling. But they are manifestations of an underlying issue in our land. There is a famine, and it's a famine of God's word. Man does not live on bread alone, you know this, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What do our celebrations look like? Have we kept our holy days holy? How much of the seed that we sow falls on parched ground because whole generations are growing up with a heart of parched soil since we have taken God's word and prayer out of our schools. Just like the Israelites' barns were empty and the granaries were abandoned, the statistics show that Americans are not storing up the word of God in their hearts. 11% of Americans that responded to the survey read their Bibles daily. The majority doesn't even read the scriptures once a year. Joel speaks God's message. He speaks this message to the people in the midst of this devastation and he doesn't tell them God's message to rub it in or to, to, to get them to feel, feel like their impossible situation can't be overcame. No, he tells them at this time to give them hope. What does Joel call the people to do? Verse 12. The grapevines have dried up, and the fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, the palm trees, and apple trees, all the fruit trees have dried up, and the people's joy has dried up with them. Dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Wail, you who serve before the altar. Come, spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God, for there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God. Into the temple of the Lord your God. He says, fast, weep, mourn. Joel doesn't call them to hide. He doesn't call them to complain or try to escape. This was a life or death situation for these people. Without their crops, nothing to feed their livestock. They would perish along with the crops and animals as well. If we could see with spiritual eyes 
what a desperate situation we are in spiritually, we would be moved from complacency, from weeping and mourning every day our situation seems to become a little more desperate. Verse 15 in the first chapter of Joel says, The day of the Lord is near, the day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. But there is hope. There is hope. Chapter 2, verse 28. Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said, these will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. After all of those things, the weeping, the fasting, the mourning, people being poor in spirit, humbling ourselves in front of God and confessing and repenting of our sin. After all of those things, we will be able to rejoice because God will restore us. We can celebrate the Passover. You remember what the Passover is? It's God's judgment passing over us and not destroying us as we deserve. God's judgment passing over us and not destroying us. God commanded the Israelites in Exodus. He commanded them to celebrate this Passover every year in remembrance of when they were set free from their slavery. You heard a little bit about that last week from the youth group. Every year they sacrificed a perfect unblemished lamb, which was not just a reminder, but also a foreshadowing of the coming Messiah that would be sacrificed once and for all. Passover lamb to free us from our slavery to sin. That is worth celebrating. There are three celebrations, speaking of times to celebrate. Three celebrations that God has commanded the Israelites to celebrate annually in Jerusalem. We can begin to read about them in the book of Exodus chapter 23 verse 14. Each year you must celebrate these er, three festivals in my honor. First celebrate the festival of the unleavened bread. For seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast As I have commanded you, celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in the early spring in the month of Abib, for that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. No one may appear before me without an offering. Second, celebrate the festival of harvest. When you bring me the first crops of your harvest, finally celebrate the festival of the final harvest. At the end of the harvest season, 
when you have harvested all the crops of your fields. At these three times each year, every man in Israel must appear before the sovereign Lord. Three festivals to celebrate. The first, the unleavened bread festival. This is the Passover festival, the first one. The second festival, or celebration, is the festival of the harvest. It's known as the festival of the first fruits, or the festival of weeks. It's celebrated seven weeks, or 50 days after the Passover. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 9 through 12 says, count off seven weeks from when you first begin to cut the grain at the time of the harvest. Then celebrate the festival of the harvest to honor the Lord your God. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. This is a time to celebrate because before the Lord your God at the designated place of worship, he will choose for his name to be honored. Celebrate with your sons, daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites from your towns, the foreigners, orphans, and widows who live among you. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all of these decrees. The festival of Pentecost. We have three festivals today that we're going to talk about. Unleavened bread, Passover, and the festival of the first fruits festival of the weeks and this is also known as pentecost the day that we are celebrating today pentecost today is pentecost sunday now you may remember what happened on the first pentecost sunday after jesus was resurrected if you've read the scripture the outpouring of the holy spirit comes now i want to point out some details that maybe you've overlooked regarding this special day of Pentecost at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that I want to point out is the place, the place that they were in. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. One place they were meeting there together. They were gathered there. And Jesus had told them to go and to wait in that place. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 11, God tells them to celebrate before the Lord at the designated place of worship that he will choose for his name to be honored. Devout Jews were also located in Jerusalem at this time, the place where God had designated they go to celebrate the same festival. It is important for us, folks, to gather together in a special place designated for worshiping and for honoring God. Now, that's not at all saying that this is the only place that we can worship or, or praise and honor God. We can praise Him and worship Him in many different ways and in many different places in any place But God says that there is a place that we should set aside specifically for worshiping his name together. And we do that. 
sometimes we meet together uh, in someone's house for a small group. And, and we have this place here that we often uh, mistakenly call the church. We should call it the church building. And this is set aside for the worshiping and the praising of God. That's what we do here. By the way, uh, our new location for worshiping and, and praising God, I noticed that there was lumber there. Uh, Steve took a picture and showed me that there is rebar and there are things getting ready to happen at our new building spot. So we should all be continuing to pray about that and be a little bit excited. The place. The next thing that is important that we shouldn't overlook about Pentecost is the timing. Verse 1 there says that on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting there together in one place. On the day of Pentecost, that is at one time, at that time they were there together. Pentecost was a celebration of the first fruits of the harvest. Now the third annual festival, which we haven't talked about yet and we'll get to a little bit later, is the Festival of Shelters. And it celebrated the completion of the harvest. But the festival of the first fruits, Pentecost, the first fruits, is strategically timed between the Passover and the final harvest. In correlation to our New Testament period, the Pentecost event occurs between Easter and the final judgment. Peter quotes Joel about the timing of this event. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. This is on the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts. And Peter is preaching a sermon and he quotes, quotes the very prophet that we just read his words to. He says, In the last days uh, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Prophesy. What exactly does that mean? We have Old Testament prophets that we read about uh, in our Old Testament scripture, and and, uh, they are hearing from God, and they are giving the word of God to uh, those who need to hear the word of God, which is everyone. And they are bringing that word of God to them. Uh, Prophesy. It is that we give a message from God. Today, we have God's message written down for us, recorded in a book. And we can read this scripture, this message from God every day. I pray that we would all try our best to do that so that we don't add to the famine in our world. We have this message from God. And so if we read this message and proclaim this message, then we are able to prophesy. We're able to give his message using God's word. We witnessed to our sons and daughters, our children last week, uh, doing a little bit of this. They came before us and read the scriptures and and gave us the message of the Lord. The timing. The timing. Being obedient to God's word will put you 
in the right place and at the right time to experience the Holy Spirit working in you. Speaking of timing, next week is, is the time for Vacation Bible School. We will have somewhere between uh, 50 and maybe 60 uh, little uh, kids, uh, young ones, who are uh, either ready to learn the Word of God at VBS or are ready to eat some good cookies or to hear some good music, whatever reason they're there for, we need to pray that they receive the Word of God and that their lives will be changed by that timing. The third thing that I want to pay attention to as far as Pentecost goes is the power. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? What should we do? Peter stands up and gives a sermon. And it starts because, uh, because the folks, the Holy Spirit is coming on the disciples here and they are speaking the word of God in languages that they probably didn't even know because there were other people from, from several, many different places gathered all around them and they're hearing the gospel message in their own native language so they can understand it. The Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples and made it possible for them to speak these other languages so the word of God could get out. This is a special time. and Peter stands up. He addresses the crowd. Some people think that the disciples are drunk. Uh, a, you know, uttering nonsense because they probably don't understand all of the other languages that are being spoken, obviously. And Peter says, these people are not drunk. And he explains to them what exactly is going on. Verse 22, he tells them, People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him. As you well know, but God knew everything that would happen. And his pre-assigned plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Peter preached what happened to Jesus and that death could not hold him down. And then Peter took a breath and he said, God raised Jesus from the dead and we were all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted at the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as He had promised, gave Him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, just as you see and hear today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. The words that Peter spoke, the Scripture says pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles brothers what should we do what should we do now why did they do that why did they say what should we do because the gospel of Jesus Christ was laid out before them because Peter preached the gospel message 
that God publicly endorsed Jesus. Publicly, Peter said, God is for Jesus, and it is his son, God himself. But you, he's talking to us as well, we who are imperfect, we put him on a cross. There's an opposition there. God publicly endorses Jesus. But man, publicly, in front of everyone, hung him on a cross. What a contrast there is there. He said, God raised him, though. That wasn't the last of Jesus. God raised him from the grave. And then the Holy Spirit is poured out on all of you. By hearing this, oh, that they were the ones. It was because of them. But even though that, it was because of what Jesus did and what they did to him. And after that, he was raised up, even though they had done something so horrible. The Holy Spirit is poured out on them because of what he did. Their hearts were pierced. They were moved to do something. Moved to do something. The power. The power of Pentecost. We can sum it up in in three verses that come from the books following the gospel message. Starting with 1 Peter chapter 3.15. So if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Peter was ready to explain it. And this is what Jesus tells us to do, to be ready to give an account. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Always be ready, folks to give an account to explain the gospel and make the most of every opportunity because it's not going to come about naturally these days are evil and don't be ashamed about this good news for it is the power of God at work he is the one who saves us the fourth thing that I think we need to keep in mind about the Pentecost celebration is is the hope. Never lose sight of the hope. Peter, he tells us to repent and to be baptized and to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred during the festival of the first fruits, the Pentecost festival. In this, uh, this particular day in our New Testament that we read, the harvest of souls has begun. It said 3,000 that day were saved. 3,000, that's the first fruits of salvation after Jesus' resurrection. The first fruits, and there's a lot of them, 3,000 there. You know, the Holy Spirit, Scripture says in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, is is also the first fruit of our salvation. Verse 23 says, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. 
as a foretaste of future glory. Foretaste in other versions is translated as first fruits, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. The new bodies, once again, it is God who fulfills his command regarding offerings. Israelites, uh, they were to bring a lamb to sacrifice as a Passover sacrifice, but God supplied Jesus as our Passover lamb. The Israelites were to bring two loaves of bread as their voluntary offering to God for the first fruits of their harvest, but God supplied the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, filling us with the word of God, the bread of life. Now we, we've discussed the first two, first two festivals, Passover and then uh, the first fruits, the Pentecost, and now the third festival the third festival festival will be fulfilled this is the festival of the final harvest the festival of shelters or tabernacles the end of Joel's prophecy that Peter quotes on Pentecost says verse 19 of chapter 2 in Acts 19 and 21 and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and clouds of smoke the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved of the first part of the prophecy from Joel that Peter says I will pour out my spirit upon all people, your sons and daughters will prophecy. We see that happen on the day of Pentecost in the, in the New Testament times. I'll pour out my spirit on the servants, men and women alike. But then this last part that I just read, uh, wonders in the heavens, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke, sun will become dark, moon will turn blood red we don't see that happen in the scripture on the day of Pentecost. It's because this part of it is a future harvest, is a future thing that will happen. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn red. We read about this also in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. This that will happen in the future. Revelation 6.12 says, I watched as a lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Now I wonder if this correlates to the reason we call a red moon a harvest moon. I'm not sure about that, but perhaps it's to remind us of the days of the final harvest. Revelation also describes a scene of locusts more terrifying than the ones that Joel describes Revelation chapter 9 verse 3 and 4 then the locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth and they were given the power to sting like scorpions and they were told not to harm the grass or the plants or trees 
but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And this makes me think, we must never lose sight of the hope. Maintain your focus. Hope. Acts chapter 2, verse 21 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We can look forward to the festival of the final harvest. Because of that, you call on the name of the Lord. Now, if you've called on the name of the Lord, you will be gathered by Jesus in the final harvest. Revelation 14, verse 14 says, Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on that cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of the harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Once the final harvest occurs, we will celebrate forever. Forever. You ever get that feeling something is about to end? And for me, it's almost a, a sickening, sad feeling. When I was a kid, it was Sunday nights because I had to go to school the next day on Monday. Or maybe it was summer vacation, and the last summer, the last week of the summer, I, I couldn't help but uh, mourn the fish that I hadn't caught. Or to think about the days I had wasted. Instead of working on my go-kart, I, I spent uh, picking apples and eating them off the tree. And I get this feeling that it's, it's almost over. It's, it's about to stop. It's about to end. But you know, there will be a day when that feeling will be no more. When there will be no end to the celebration. The party won't get late and get old. It will go on and on. And you say, boy, it would be, it would be a little bit hard to party forever. But not in heaven. In heaven, it will be great forever. Everlasting perfection. And we cannot imagine that. And it is because of the blood of Jesus and the resurrection that we can look forward to this final harvest. The harvest of shelters where we dwell under God's protection and his care. And we are with him. It will be a time for us to be gathered at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice Let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. We will dwell with God. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And he will be our light. He will be our light. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22 says, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. 
and the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. He will be our light. And there will be no more curse. Revelation chapter 22 verse 3 says, No longer will there be any curse on anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and His servants will worship Him. And there will be no more blasted locusts, no more famines, no more disease, no more death or suffering. Revelation 21 verse 4 through 7 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will freely give from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all the blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Children of God, whom I speak to right now this morning, never lose sight of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This Pentecost day, this holy day that we are celebrating, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on us, do not take advantage of that Holy Spirit that we have been given to use for spreading the gospel message of salvation, to be used for the joy that we have been given because of what the Lord has done. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, I would absolutely invite you to not take one more minute of time because we are looking forward to a festival, a harvest time, a final harvest time. On the other side of that harvest, there's everlasting uh, party, everlasting uh, perfection, or there's eternal damnation. My prayer is that everyone that you know that doesn't know the Lord, you would pray for them and and speak to them about the gospel message. You make the decision every day to do His work. Let's pray. Father God, so grateful for what you've done for us. Lord, we give you the credit for the sacrifice that needed to happen to save us from our sins. Lord, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in correlation to your sacrifice for us, God. We know that we don't have much to offer, but we give ourselves to you. Our service, our hearts, Lord, your will be done in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.